Good morning and welcome to the National Capital Bible Church. It's a busy season, particularly with various holidays and also with the arrival of summer. I think uh, whether schools were actually in session or not in session, uh, I think most of them are slowly preparing for the summer. So it is a busy time. But the most important thing in our lives, of course, is our spiritual lives. And we can never, ever be too busy for our growth and our praise in our spiritual life. And that's what we hope to do here every Sunday. And so it is important for us to be here as a local church. And therefore, I welcome you. It's always a pleasure to see you. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I go, you know, and the place you know. The Lord Jesus Christ predicting his ascension. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. We always take a few seconds, closing our eyes and bowing our heads, giving you the opportunity for spiritual preparation, confession of sins, and focusing on our worship service. So let's close our eyes, bowing our heads, and then I will open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for each and every day that you've given us, each and every day that we open our eyes, each and every day that you have created, and a day for which we should be happy and praise you. We are thankful that today we celebrate Father's Day. It's an important day. It's not a throwaway day. We ask, Father, for your blessing upon uh, our worship service this morning, what will be said, what we'll find with regard to fathers and the family. We ask also, Father, for your blessing upon us as a local church. We pray that we will honor you, that we will represent you in a godly way, in a proper way to the community around us, to those who know us. We ask for your blessing upon our worship service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all. Great songs. That last song, when we all get to heaven, is a a marching song. That is uh, absolutely wonderful. I know I reflect uh, too often to my experience in the Yarmouth Baptist Church, but that was one of our favorite songs. Still is. A part of our priesthood is the wonderful opportunity that we have in expressing our love to the Father in giving. Some might think that it is rather onerous that we are required to give, but in reality... 
it is an opportunity for us to realize what God has done for us and the ministries that the church is to provide in the church age to believers. And that's o- that only can be done through the gifts that are given by those who love him. And the Apostle Paul tells us <clears throat> that each one of us should give just as you decide. So it's up to you. It's up to you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to simply make a decision. There's no requirement here. So you are to give as you decide in your own heart, not reluctantly nor under compulsion, because God loves a willing, a cheerful, a gracious giving. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity. We ask for your blessing upon these gifts. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, I would like to spend time with Father's Day, honoring fathers. There are many passages in the Word of God that speak of fathers. They also speak of mothers. And while Ephesians 6.1, and you certainly may turn to Ephesians 6.1, mentions both father and mother, it's also important for us to see that this is a theme that runs through the entire Bible. Uh, It begins in, I guess you could say, in Exodus, where we have the Ten Commandments. And it's incorporated here by the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Ephesians. He says, children. This is a command to children. But it also is addressed to the parents. Children, obey your parents. Why? Because it's just seems normal because they're your father and mother. They feed you. They clothe you. No, you're to do it in the Lord. Uh, This is a command that is based upon your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Godhead as a whole. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's correct. And then in verse 2, Paul quotes the commandment, honor your father and mother. And then he adds, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. We'll return to this passage in a little while. But Father's Day, I think, very often gets short shrift, which, by the way, I think is a Roman Catholic phrase, meaning that you don't get the full blessing. But for parents, it seems that mothers would just naturally love them. And they are honored. But the Bible tells us that fathers are critical to the situation as far as the family function. Let's turn to Proverbs 23. If this was our call to worship this morning, we begin in the Old Testament 
Proverbs 23, verse 22. This is written by either King Solomon or those who followed him. And Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father. And again, this is a command. It's a mandate. Now, the understanding here, and I think this is uh, extraordinary important, is that your father has something to say that is worth hearing. Listen to your fathers who begot you. And do not despise, do not reject your mother when she is old. Verse 24, well, it's verse 23 is fine too. Buy or obtain the truth and do not sell it. Do not discard it. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. And that goes hand in hand with verse 22. But verse 24, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her who bore you rejoice. The mother who rejoices, rejoices over the obedient child and the child that lives a godly life. That's a rejoicing mother. As I was preparing for this message this morning, I had intended to spend a brief time with fathers. But the more I thought thought about Father's Day and the more I realized the importance of this today in our society, it seemed that I needed to say more than just Happy Father's Day and read a verse or two here. I think that America has many fine holidays. Some are truly important. One that was and still may still be neglected or at least treated lightly is the one that we celebrate today, Father's Day. I'm not about to say that it finds equal weight with Christmas or Resurrection Day because those direct our attention towards our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. On the other hand, Father's Day is as important today as our very important Independence Day. Because without godly fathers, or at least honorable fathers, we do not have a nation that conforms to God's design. And God's design is critical in our lives. God's plan for the human race begins with human responsibility. In other words, everyone is responsible for our own decisions. And then moves to marriage, the union of the man and woman. Extending from marriage, we find the family with the formation, structure, and development of the home and essential, even critical, life principles. And it is upon this divine institution, this divine foundation, that we found that we find a nation firmly grounded. Without families where children are reared with responsibilities and truth, we don't have a nation. We devolve into a fractured society of tribes, groups, and gangs. 
without strong families led by devoted, honorable, and I'd like to believe godly fathers, our culture is destroyed and our nation balkanized. The critical elements in the family are the parents. And by the way, I failed to mention the title of this, and that is Fathers Are Critical. So I'm going to use the word critical throughout my message here. The critical elements in the family are the parents. And I'm not being critical today of single parents because there are many homes today with one parent and they're doing their best. And very often they do very well. However, few would say that parenting alone is the method that they would choose. In most cases, they are not parenting alone. Others, to include daycare, are participating. I'm not belittling single parents, but that is not God's design. I'm turning my focus this morning on fathers without discounting mothers because mothers are critical to the family also. And that goes without saying. So don't say that I'm demeaning mothers this morning because I'm not. The father's relationship with his family is probably the most important, the most complicated and most misunderstood relationship in our society. But everyone needs an engaged father, not just someone who periodically appears or generally fills a figurative role. The father must be an all-pervasive influence, or we could say an all-pervasive presence that sets the tone and takes the responsibility, the responsibility for functioning of the family. His responsibility. It may not always be his problem or something that he's created, but he's still responsible for the family. If he does, he makes it immeasurably easier for his wife as wife and mother. I'd like to read from a book which I failed to bring to the pulpit. And I've mentioned this book, I think, in the past, maybe not last year or the year prior to that. But this is a book that's written by Meg Meeker, who is an M.D. She has written a book called Boys Should Be Boys. But I'm not reading from that book. I'm reading from a book that says Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Ten Secrets Every Father Should Know. And this is the book. I have to tell you that I leafed through this very quickly when I purchased it many years ago because, and I, when I say I leafed through it quickly, it's because I know that as soon as I start to read, there's four or five other things will happen and I end up drifting away from this book and finding myself in another book or another text or whatever it might be. But this is an excellent book. And I really don't have time to tell you about it in any detail. But chapter one, writing to fathers, you are the most important man in her life, the daughter. Father, you are the most important man in her life. And you could change that to his life. Chapter two, that was chapter one. Chapter two, she needs a hero. Who is that? 
That's the father. That's her first hero. Chapter 3, you are her first love. Dad, you're daughter's first love. Four, teach her humility. Five, protect her. Defend her. (laughs) Use a shotgun if necessary. She goes on, chapter 7, be the man you want her to marry. We just don't think of it that way. But you should be the man that she wants to marry. Chapter 8, teach her who God is. This author was a believer, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 9, teach her to fight. Chapter 10, keep her connected. She begins this chapter, uh, let me see. In the introduction, she says, what my father gave me was confidence. Since I revered him as a giant in the medical field and a giant in our home, I knew that what he believed was right. It didn't matter what he said. I still believed he was right. And he gave me a belief in myself. He communicated to me, I don't remember exactly how, that I could do anything I wanted to do, but that's what I believed. My father's always my father always made sure that I knew he loved me. Some fathers have a difficult time saying, I love you. It shouldn't be. Our father in the Word of God tells us that he loves us. We should not have a problem saying, I love you. There are children, there are daughters, they are sons. The first chapter, and this will be the last I read from this book because I could read many passages from it. Men, good men, we need you. Who's this we? Daughters, we need you. We, mothers, daughters, and sisters, need your help to raise healthy young women. We need every ounce of masculine courage and wit you own. Because fathers, more than anyone else, this is a woman saying this, not me. We need every ounce of masculine courage and wit you own. Because fathers, more than anyone else, set the course for a daughter's life. Your daughter needs the best of you, the best of who you are, your strength, your courage, your intelligence, and your fearlessness. She needs your empathy, assertiveness, and self-confidence. In, in essence, she needs you. Our daughters need the support that our fathers can provide. And if you are willing to guide your daughter to stand between her and a toxic culture, which is exactly what we have today, absolutely toxic, teaching everything that's wrong, to take her to a healthier place, your rewards will be unmatched. You will experience the love and adoration that none that can come only from a daughter. You will feel a pride, satisfaction, and joy that you can know nowhere else. So, as a father, you, they, are critical. Fathers are the leaders in the home and absolutely critical to God's plan for the family. God's authority for the family flows 
to the father and then to the mother. But he, the father, is still responsible for the effective application of that authority. There are many Bible verses that speak of fathers, but I'm going to use two this morning. Ephesians 6 and Colossians 3.21. Let's turn to Ephesians 6.4. We've read verse 1, so I'll just start at verse 1. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And I think this is telling us that children who are obedient are blessed. They're blessed by God. And then verse 4. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And you fathers, do not provoke. The word here for provoke is the same word that we're going to find in Ephesians 3.21. Ephesians 3.21, Fathers, do not provoke your children. And the word here for provoke means don't stir them up. Stirring them up um, as in causing them mental anguish, problems, anger. Don't provoke them. Don't frustrate them. Don't exasperate them. That's not what you want to do with your children. And you fathers, do not exasperate. Do not provoke your children to wrath, to anger. But bring them up. And the word here, to bring them up, means to bring them to maturity. Bring them to maturity. Bring them to maturity in the training and admonition of the Lord. So, the training and the admonition here is to be done, how? In the Lord. What we have from God, what we have from the Lord, is how we should do the training. So, if someone says, well, I just don't know how to do it. Well, you should know, because you should know your Lord. You should know who God is. You should know how God treats you. He loves you. And he corrects you. God the Holy Spirit, that's his job. The word here for training can mean discipline, but it also means to to correct. And we used to use the word, and I don't think we use it this much anymore, rearing, rearing children. It's a wonderful word, but it's similar to this bring them to to maturity. And admonition. Admonition is an excellent word, but it can also mean to instruct. It has also the sense of, of warning them. There's much that children need to learn, and they can learn them from their parents. Fathers, be prepared to warn your children what they're going to face in the world into which they're about to enter or see every day. Colossians 3, very similar. Beginning in verse 20, 
It's uh, wonderful that the Apostle Paul, while he was in prison, or at least house arrest, in Rome, writes what's known as the the prison epistles. And the prison epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then Philemon. So as we read particularly Ephesians and then Colossians, we see uh, we see similarities, and they are similar because it was to churches in the Roman province of Asia. Of Asia, Philippians is written to a church that is in Greece, so there's a difference there. Uh, Philippians or uh, Philemon uh, is written to an individual who was in, we believe the Roman province of Asia, what we call uh, Turkey today. Verse 20. So this sounds very similar. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. We please the Lord when we're obedient to our parents. And notice it doesn't say when you're young. When you're in the home, we are to be obedient. I think another way that we could understand that as we get older is we are to honor them. Treat them with compassion. Understanding who they are. They loved us. They reared us. They gave of themselves for us. And now, as children, we do the same. We return those same qualities. Children, obey your parents in all things. Why? Because this is well-pleasing to the Lord. You're pleasing the Lord when you're obeying your parents. Verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke. Do not stir up. Do not exasperate. Do not frustrate your children. Lest they become discouraged. The last thing you want to do with your children is discourage them. You want them to be able have confidence in themselves. So it says, don't discourage them. And the uh, probably the literal translation here is so that they do not lose heart. There has to be an encouragement here. And even when being disciplined or being corrected, there has to be encouragement. Why? So that they don't lose heart. There are other wonderful passages that we could visit. But let me continue. Father's Day is more than a day of doing something for God. And I have to tell you that Father's Day is not just a day when the days when the, the Father just takes the day off. Might even want to dig in a little bit more on Father's Day. It's an important day. For fathers, who they are, what they're responsible, what their responsibilities are. But Father's Day is more than a day of doing something for dad. And appreciation, of course, is important. And it's not a day off for dad. But it should be a day of remembering the importance of a father and the father taking the time to enjoy the relationships that God has designed for him 
as a father. Relationships with his wife, with his parents, with his children. These are special relationships that God has given to him. And they should be honored. And they should be praised and we should thank God for them. We give responsible responsibilities to people that we trust. We give responsibilities to people who we believe will fulfill these responsibilities. God expects fathers to fulfill the responsibilities that he gives them. He trusts them to do it. This should be a day of reflection and recommitment and even adjustment to the family. Sometimes there has to be adjustments. And what better day than Father's Day? An old adage, children don't do what you tell them to do. They do what they see you do. I know that from my own childhood. I learned it many times. I learned it again in Child Evangelism Fellowship. Those children would listen to you, but then they would do what you did. It was amazing. And I learned very quickly that I had, if I wanted them to be obedient, to be compassionate to other kids, that I had to set the example for them. Children don't do what you tell them to do. They do what they see you do. Your children will be what you lead them to be. As I sit in my office at home, I usually try to get something we call cross-ventilation. So on one side of the house, I open a window, and I open another house, another window on the other side. And I get really excellent cross-ventilation. Well, my office window opens to the common area, and we have townhomes around that common area. And just recently, we've had several families enter that community with children. I met one of them several years ago, and the child's name was Anthony. Well, I know Anthony's voice now. He doesn't need to say more than one word. I know who it is because he comes out the the door, down the steps, out into the common area, usually uh, either mother or dad or uh, the grandmother or uh, they have a nanny, uh, is with him. And he is a talker. And he talks and he talks and he talks. And what I see in him is what I see in his mother or his father. And they are believers, and I'm thankful that they are. But he's probably four years old now, and I find myself watching him, trying to sit at my desk and do my work, but I like to listen to him talk and watch him traipse around the common area with either his tractor his truck, or whatever else he has. 
Fathers more than any other role or function in daily life is crucial to the nation. In God's design, a nation is built upon divine institutions. Again, speaking of the nation, God's design for a nation is built upon divine institutions. Three of them specifically. First of all, human responsibility. Human responsibility. Secondly, marriage. And third, family. Fathers more than any other person must take the role of teaching his children human responsibility. You're responsible for your decisions. You're responsible for your actions. And children are not told that today. Many of them are taught, just be yourself. Just, you know, let them go. Let them do what naturally comes to them. That's not what parents are designed to do. They're to teach them. They're to lead them. They're to design in them responsibility. We call it human responsibility. They must be responsible for their own decisions. And that is God's position with regarding his relationship with us. It's up to us to either believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior or to reject. It's not the responsibility of your mother or your father. It's not the responsibility of your teacher. It's not the responsibility of the pastor. It's the individual responsibility. And fathers need to teach their children that responsibility. So fathers more than any other person must take the role of teaching his children human responsibility. That individuals are responsible for their decisions. And those decisions form the directions of the direction of their lives. As much as we would like to direct our children, they're going to make decisions. We hope that they make decisions based upon their relationship with God and their maturity in the Word of God. But they're going to make their own decisions. We just pray that they are godly decisions, honorable decisions. So individuals are responsible for their decisions, and those decisions form the directions of their lives. The father is said to be the leader of the marriage and family, and if he does not properly and effectively fulfill this role, the marriage and family struggle and often fail. That's not, of course, believed today. Today, there are those who say, well, no, I don't need fathers. Why? Well, the government's there. Government can take care of them. As a matter of fact, it takes a community. It takes a village to raise children. No. It takes a father and a mother. And the leadership comes from the father. He sets the tone. The father is said to be the leader of the marriage and family. And if he does not properly and effectively fulfill this role, the marriage and family struggle and often fails. If the first three 
pillars of the divine institutions fail, meaning we have irresponsible people. We have failures of marriages and the disintegration of families. The nation has little hope of survival. Why? Because that goes back to the fact that we're just a bunch of groups, a bunch of individuals, a bunch of tribes, a bunch of gangs. Fathers are critical to the health of a strong, divinely designed nation. And those are, that should come naturally to us. We should understand that. And so, I'm not trying to be critical this morning. But this nation needs strong fathers, strong, responsible fathers. And there are many who would say, well, you know, my my job just takes me away from my family uh, most of the day. And I have to travel, I have to do this, I have to do that. Guess what? God is going to hold you responsible for the decisions you make as a father. Yes, your job's important. But you know something? Your family's more important. It's more important. And even if you can't be there, you need to have a pervasive influence on that family. Ronald Reagan made these quotations during the time that he was in office. First of all, children, vulnerable and dependent, desperately need security. And it has ever been a duty and a joy of fathership, of fatherhood to offer it. Being a father requires strength and more than a little courage to persevere, to fight discouragement, and to keep working for the family. Ronald Reagan was very uh, intelligent man. He continued, I think this was another Father's Day, with God's grace, fathers find the patience to teach, the fortitude to provide, the compassion to comfort, and the mercy to forgive. You know, that last phrase, and the mercy to forgive, sometimes we just find it impossible to forgive. God forgives us. We need to develop an ability to forgive, to demonstrate mercy, even when it may not seem to be appropriate. We don't have the right to have a relationship with God. But God loves us and wants to have that relationship. He is our example as parents, as individual believers. And so I think this is important when he says that fathers, with God's grace, God's grace, fathers find the patience to teach, the fortitude to provide, the compassion to comfort, and the mercy to forgive. All of this is to say, that they find the strength to love their wives and children selflessly. And that's what Paul says in Ephesians, in Ephesians 5. 
when he speaks to the Father and he says, love your wife as God loves the church and gave himself for it. Right? Uh, uh, President Reagan goes on. He says, let us express our thanks and affection to our fathers, whether we can do so in person or in prayer. Uh, I like that. Well, we're close to the end of our time here. I'd like to present one more Father's Day sentiment, I guess you could say. Sadly, I don't know the author. And I don't know if you can read this or not. It's even difficult for me to read. But let me read this. A little fellow follows me. And that could be a little girl, too. A little fellow follows me. A careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he will go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eyes. Whate'er he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says, he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, Believe, believes in every word of mine. The base in me he must not see, the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go, through summer's sun and winter's snow, I am building for the years to be, the little chap who follows me. How critical can that be? I guess there would be people who would say, that's heavy, man. It is. And I think it's a wonderful poem. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful that you are our example, that your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is also our example. And we're thankful that you have expressed for us in the Word of God your character. And if there's anyone who is undeserving, it is the human race. Yet you love us, provide for us, protect us. And that should be our example. We pray, Father, that for anyone who may not have a relationship with the Father, that you might understand that we simply must believe in his Son, whom he loved, whom he sent to us, to mankind, because he loved us. He loved his son, and his son loved us. And his son went to the cross to pay for the sins of the world, your sins. And it's important for you, it's critical for you to know that your relationship with him simply comes by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ's work on the cross, his redemptive work, paying for the guilt of the sins of the entire world, his substitutionary work for us, simply by believing. Paul says to the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. 
Father, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for Father's Day. We're thankful for those fathers who have understood their responsibilities and have not only led but loved their families. We pray, Father, that we would develop these fathers, that they would understand the way to be developed is by through you to live their lives in the Lord so that they honor you and they also provide strength for their wife, for their children, and for their nation. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.